Welcome to Giant Cocktails, a podcast where lifelong fans talk about the San Francisco Giants while drinking homemade cocktails. And now, here's your hosts, Ben and Matthew Henry. Welcome back to another episode of Giant Cocktails. I am your host, Ben Henry, alongside my brother and co-host, the super esteemed and... Devastatingly handsome? <laughs> uh, uh, sure. <laughs> Sure. Why not? Why not? Just, like, when you don't come in prepared, you know, I'll just offer you some some yeah. ones, some suggestions. Uh, super esteemed, devastatingly handsome, uh, and uh, and uh, believer in all things uh, luck. Because because what's luck got to do with it? Everything, according to Matthew. It's, it's got uh, something to do with it. I don't know about mm-hmm, everything. Mm-hmm. It's got yeah. Um, uh, hey, Matthew. Yes. I, I got a question for you. Of course. Um, is, uh, well, see, now I'm just like, I, I just, I want to ask the question. Is it defense or is it bad luck? Um, well, then you're just going to blow one of our entire segments. I, I know. I'm going to blow in, I'm going to blow one of our entire segments. Um, so ask another question, Dimwit. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, uh, um, uh, uh, do you call sandals flip-flops or thongs? I'm embarrassed to say that I call them thongs. And I know that I'm in the minority, but I, and I know that it comes from our mother, right? I mean, that's what she yes. called them. And so that's oh, what yes, I call them. Oh, yes. Our mother our mother's a big fan of the thongs. She, they, she wore the, you know, we grew up in a beach town. You're going to wear the thongs, right? And uh, boy, I remember they were so worn out. You could see her feet patterns in them. Like they were People like. People do wear thongs at the beach. They uh, sure do. <laughs> uh, yes. Well, that wasn't going thinking of that kind of thong but yes i guess so uh but yeah a thong that's um yeah it's mm-hmm. but i mm-hmm. i see how most people would call them flip-flops but yeah no yeah. i changed the flip-flops as soon as i heard the thong song that was it i was like nope never <laughs> never calling them thongs again i will say that i don't wear them so uh i don't really ever refer to them at all really oh i see okay well uh fair enough fair enough i'm, I'm gonna be in hawaii soon uh, so I plan to be wearing lots of sandals. Yeah, rock, rocking the um, flip flops, huh? I will be rocking the flip flops. Are, are you um, Crocs? <laughs> oh, um, I, I, I don't. I, I'm not like anti Croc. Like, if you want to rock the Crocs, like, go for it. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. You know, Zennials and Millennials, you do you. You know, because it was a Gen X thing too. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I'm, I'm not gonna. Yeah, you know, if you want to do it, that's fine. I'm still gonna think they're mm-hmm. ugly as heck. But uh, yeah, yeah, no, I don't. I don't wear the. I don't wear the the the. Um, I don't. They look like a. They look like you put a, a plastic teenage mutant ninja turtle on your foot. <laughs> like I don't. No, no, they're 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 not my thing. Not my thing. Um, <clears throat> but um, but but yeah. Well, anyway. Anyway, today yeah. is Wednesday, May twenty fifth, mm-hmm. as we record. Just thought I'd kind of point out where you're supposed to be in the. Uh... That's right. As we record this podcast, Matthew, you got to say it right. Okay. The San Francisco Giants went a 
frustrating and awful two and four this week to bring their record to 24 and 19. They went oh and three and there I, I, folks there was some debate before the show as to whether or not we were going to talk about this at all. They went but but I I had to like we have to go on record. I, this has to be said. The Giants went 0-3 against the San Diego Padres at home. And I think at this point of the season, there is no disputing it. The San Diego Padres are a better baseball team than the San Francisco Giants. And I say that because I want it to sting and hurt. And, and just I want drive to... our listeners away? Like, that's what no, you want to do? No, they're, they're no, all like, F no. you. They're all like, no. forward. I... I want them to be infuriated. <laughs> I want them to I want them to go to the window. I want them to stand up and shout, I will not take bad defense anymore. <laughs> I will not allow us to be swept at home by the Padres. Um but folks, whatever you do, please don't throw things at other players when you're at the park. That's a low-class thing to do, no matter who you are. I mean, that's the thing that Yankees fans do, and, and we all know we're not Yankees fans. And, and that's enough that needs to be said about the San Diego Padres series. They also went 2-1 and one against the New York Mets in a series that I think we will remember for a long, long time. Uh, every one of those games was memorable for, for different reasons, but um, but game two was a doozy. I, I can't remember who I want to give credit proper credit, but I can't remember where I read this. But they basically said uh, game two was the game you'll be watching at the next you know, future rain delays for the next like thirty years. That's correct. That is correct. Yes, it was. It was a magnificent and and equally awful game, right? And I, I think uh, I, I think both fan bases will talk about it for a long time and and I hope that it it signified a change in direction for the Giants but but I think that remains to be seen um and uh on that note Bob hit me what are you drinking Ben well thank you for asking Bob that's very kind of you I, this week, am drinking a cocktail known as La Colonial, La Coniale, I, I, I don't know. I, I think it's often just referred to as a gin and ginger martini. Um, and it is equal parts gin and gin liqueur. Uh, you put ginger both of those. So, sorry, ginger liqueur, not gin liqueur. Um, gin liquor. And ginger liqueur. Uh, you put both of those ingredients into a shaker. I did an ounce and a half of each in my cocktail. Uh, put those in a shaker with ice, shake it up, uh, and then double strain into a martini glass. And then it is required that you garnish it with a cucumber slice, which kind of adds a little bit of freshness to the to the flavor. And um, Uh, it is a, actually it's a very pleasant mellow um, cocktail. I mean, I, I think of all the like things that get classified as a martini, this is one of the more um, understated ones that I've ever had. Um, it, it does have a strong gin flavor. Uh, the ginger liqueur does help to mellow that out a bit, and the cucumber adds a certain freshness to it. Uh, it, it is a little bit boozy, 
right? There is nothing else in here besides these two uh, these two alcohols. Uh, so um, you know, be careful um, or don't so, be careful. So pay attention in the second half of this uh, podcast. That's right. Folks. That's right. And of course, like always, folks, I made a double. <laughs> <laughs> So, so, you know, things are going to get rocking. Um, and, and why did I go with uh, gin? Well, we all know why I went with gin. Um, know, I, took, yes. I took like two bottles off your hand on, you on this weekend. You uh, did. I, you I did. granted one was Aquavit. It wasn't, wasn't gin. But man, I took two from mm-hmm. you. And you still, how much? That was only, you said only 20% of your stock? It was like 20% of my stock. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to be we're going to be drinking a lot of gin cocktails this year. And uh, and that's why I chose the gin. I went with the ginger, though, because I'm feeling a little spicy this week. Uh, You know, based on on how the boys have been playing, uh, particularly on the catching the ball side of things. I don't know if they know that that's what they're supposed to do. I don't know if Farhan Zaidi knows that that's what they're supposed to do, because it sure would be nice if we could, you know, if some of these, you know, Who's he? What's it? Who come up from? You know, maybe the Mariners have like some guy that's really good at defense, and we could trade for him. <laughs> uh, because it sure would be nice for one of these call-ups to actually be able to catch the ball. Um, you know, um, less Padlos and more Maurizio Dubons, maybe. Oh, oh, oh! Wouldn't oh. it be nice to have him? Didn't I say Matthew last week? Watch. It, the worst thing that would happen is they trade him and then they get hurt. And the one guy gets hurt. Five guys got hurt. Yep. And but anyway. Do- Doobie's no longer available. Oh, Doobie is no longer available. Anyway, so that's what I'm drinking, Bob. All right. Mmm. That's a tasty cocktail. I mean, it just tastes like gin and ginger liqueur, Bob, but sure. <laughs> All right, well, Bob, hit me up. What are you drinking, Matthew? Well, thank you, Bob. Uh... I went another direction with my cocktail today. Uh, well, first, first, before I share the cocktail that I'm drinking tonight, I just want to point out that I, uh, in my Facebook memories this week, uh, a cocktail came up from a year ago that I had made for this podcast called The Suffering Bastard. And The, the Suffering Bastard is a... Uh, I made it last year because we had just gotten swept by the Los Angeles Dodgers... And uh, and the sky was falling and we were certain that the season was now going to just, you know, plummet into um, oblivion. And and then I went and looked after I made we after we made the suffering bastard, the Giants won six out of their next seven. And uh, so I thought, why the heck not? You know, I uh, put it out on Twitter that this is what happened a year ago. And uh, and that so I wasn't going to tempt fate. I decided to make another suffering bastard and I drank it during yesterday's slug fest. And uh, and I'm taking claim. I'm claiming I'm claiming responsibility for the Giants win with the suffering bastard. And I'm going to give credit to some fellow listeners out there. Mark from uh, Mr. Mar- Merced at uh, at Mr. Merced on Twitter uh, made some lovely looking uh, bastards. So, you know, I, I'm sure it was for him and his partner. So uh, or maybe he just double fisted. I don't know. But uh, they looked lovely. So people were actually Attaboy, making the drink. Mark. Yes, they were making the drink. And uh, and and I was really happy to see that uh, we were contributing to the Giants win through our through our booze choices. So great job. The Giant uh, cocktails way. Yep. Double right. it up. Doubled up. And uh, and oh, well, on another note, speaking of Twitter, you know, last week we threw it. We shouted out some uh, Twitter followers who uh, helped us connect with Rennell. 
And uh, and I totally misinterpreted one of our Twitter's names. Uh, he's got a funky font on his uh, Twitter handle, and it looks like Bruce to me, but it's actually Bryce. So okay. sorry, Bryce. I uh, you know I was calling you Bruce all last uh, episode. Yeah, yeah, but but it's his fault for using the funky font, right? It, it is, it is. But right. uh, but right. I, you know I. I I understand. You know, I, I don't want to get it wrong. You, you would never make a mistake. <laughs> well, I looked closely and because, oh, yeah, it is Bryce. But, uh, you know, I, he was understanding and that it could be. He, he understood why it was. I called him Bruce. Right. But anyway. Right. Anyway, so today, though, I am drinking a drink called the Jock Collins. <laughs> and no, I did not make this up for the sake of Jock Peterson. Uh, I'm drinking it because of Jock Peterson, but I did not make it up. Uh, it's actually a riff on a Tom Collins, and a Tom Collins is, uh, I think you've actually had it recently on our show, with gin and yes. uh, and, and some simple syrup and lemon juice and uh, club soda is, is how you make a Tom Collins. Uh, so with a Jock Collins, you substitute uh, scotch for the gin. And so this has two Ooh. ounces of scotch. An ounce of lemon juice, half an ounce of simple syrup, and then top it off with about three ounces of club soda in a tall Collins glass, of course, and garnish it with a cherry and an orange slice. And you've got this uh, re- very refreshing drink. And and I actually, you know, I like my drinks a little sweeter, so I actually used a rich simple syrup uh, to get a little bit more sweetness in there. But which is uh, basically when you make simple syrup, usually it's a one to one sugar to water ratio. When it's rich, it's a two-to-one sugar-to-water ratio, so it's a little sweeter. Uh, but that's what I'm drinking, and it's I'm already like the, you know. At first, it was a little bit you know. It's one of those drinks that gets better, I think, as it mellows in the glass and the ice kind of works with it. And uh, now I'm like gulping it because it's really refreshing and um, and and very good. So here's to uh, you, Jock. What kind of glass did you put that Jock Collins in, Matthew? Uh. Uh, maybe a Collins glass? I don't know. No, it's, it's, that's it's a highball high glass. It's the like same a... glass. I, I gifted those to you <laughs> because they're the same ones that I use. Well, I have a Collins glass, but it wasn't big enough to fit all the ice in the drink in there. And so I just, it, the, the, the highball is a little bit bigger. And um, so I just put that in there. So, you know, sue me. All right. Come on. We're home bartenders. What are we going to care? <laughs> all right. Is the bartender police going to come break down my door now? No. No, they're not. I, I, I don't know. I was just playing, playing the role of Matthew this week. <laughs> All right. Well, that's our cocktails. Time to talk some baseball. Uh, I'm just going to start out by saying it's it's also luck. <laughs> and now I'm going to sit back and just hear you rebut that because uh, um, I know you've got some thoughts on our Giants pitching and uh, what's going on. Well, so what's going on, I, I think everybody can see, is, is that the Giants are giving up a lot of hits. Uh, a way higher uh, amount of hits than, than seems even fathomable, right? And and Matthew and I touched upon a statistic last week, um, and, and we kind of just glossed over it, and we said that, that the Giants had a bad one because of bad luck. And that statistic was uh, batting average for balls in play. Uh, it's shortened to the acronym um, BABIP, so BABIP. And the Giants have a very, very high uh, BABIP right now. I think it's, you said, Matthew, the second highest in the league, right? Only to the Colorado Rockies, right? Yeah. And generally, the consensus is that when you have a high BABIP, that means that that's largely a product of bad luck. 
and that you should expect um, that to regress to the mean uh, as as you have more and more plate appearances. Okay, but pa- pause real quick. Correction: We have the worst BABIP in the league, worse than the Colorado Rockies. Uh, oh, worse than the Colorado Rockies. Yes. The Rockies are second. Yes. E- okay, even better. Yeah. <laughs> Just want to correct that. Yeah. Right. Right. Yes. Three thirty so, ball- batting average on balls in play. Colorado right. is 321 on batting average on balls in play. And then the next normal team is the Philadelphia Phillies with a 310 batting average on balls in play. Wow. So you take out the and high altitude team just... and we're... Yeah. yeah. League average right. is, is... I don't even know. Um, it's 284. It's 284. Okay, it's thank you. 284. The, the league average is 284. And uh, and so basically what that means is that the Giants are just getting rocked and then they're just the, they're just the victims of bad luck. Well, here's the thing. That's not actually entirely true. There's a number of things that can, in fact, impact batting average on balls in play. And one of those is something you just alluded to, Matthew, which is one of the reasons why the Colorado Rockies always have a higher than average batting average of balls in play against them and for them is because of the field that they play on. Colorado, of course, field is a bigger field than normal, right? And it's a bigger field than normal because they want to try to reduce the number of home runs that get hit. The problem is, is that when you create a bigger field, there's more fair territory for the ball to land into. And there's therefore more territory that you have to defend and you just can't, right? So so you have more balls that fall in play that otherwise would have, um, have been caught. And so as a result of that, um, you have a higher BABIP. Um, so that's one way that you can have a, a higher BABIP is because you play on a larger field. Uh, another way that you can have a higher BABIP is if you're giving up lots of hard hit balls, right? Uh, the harder hit a ball is, the more likely that it is to result in a base hit. And so if you're really getting torched really hard, um, you're going to have a higher BABIP. And um, well, that's not happening to the Giants, right? So the San Francisco Giants, they don't have a big field. Um, they don't have, at least relative to, to the rest of the league, um, they're not giving up a higher rate of hard-hit balls than the rest of the league. Uh, in fact, they might even be lower. But there is one thing that also impacts your BABIP that I think people are just starting to talk about, but I think not focusing on quite enough, and that's slow, bad defenders because slow defenders especially slow outfielders are so slow that they can't get to a lot of balls that faster fielders would get to why you gotta and why, what, you, gotta, why you gotta bang on my friend darren man <laughs> uh oh i was actually banging on your friend jock <laughs> oh well them's fighting and us. i was actually banging on your new friend luis <laughs> well he's not slow um uh, no, he's not slow. He's just bad. <laughs> um, so my, the, the point is, is that the, the point is, is that a lot of those balls, they don't get called as errors, right? If, if a slow guy is running for a ball or even takes a bad route to a ball, the, the, that is scored as a hit, right? So, so it's not, so even though you have a bad defender, that ball still gets called a hit. And while well, it increases the BABIP against your team. Right. And what I'm saying is the Giants this year have an absolutely lousy defense. They are horrible, especially in the outfield. And um, a part of this is a product of, of losing key guys. Right. Like Steven Duggar was 
the best defender in the outfield for the San Francisco Giants last year, and he played the most innings as a result of that. Well, he's hurt, right? And he's gone. At this point, the Giants only have one good outfielder who's healthy, and that's Mike Yastrzemski. And Mike is playing good defense this year, although he even has made some bad throws and bad and run some bad routes to balls recently. So one problem is you're missing a lot of the good defenders that the Giants had last year. Um, also included in that is Mike Talkman. Right? I know that the Giants didn't have him the whole season. They picked him up, you know, before after the season started, and then they let him go before the season ended. But he still played a lot of innings, particularly late and close. And, uh, and as a result the of that, yeah, exactly. Right. I mean, I think Mike Talkman won, you know, what, two games for the Giants with his glove alone. And and he's not on the team this year. And in their place, you have guys who were just really, really low quality defenders trying to cover both of the corners while Mike does the best he can in center field. And I think this is really, really hurting the Giants a lot more than, than people realize, or at least than people are talking about. Um, but the other thing that's noted is, is that even with all of that, for some reason or another, they're all playing worse defense than they did last year, right? Even Duggar, when he was with the team, and Slater, when he was with the team, are both playing worse defense this year than they did last year. And maybe it's because they're a year older, but but I doubt it. I, I, I don't know what it is, and maybe that does come down to luck. Um, maybe it comes down to that they're not focusing or trying hard enough. I don't know. But I think I'm definitely with Gabe Kapler when he says we just need to make plays. Uh, because certainly it seems like across the board, even those guys who are not great defenders and even those who are good defenders are all playing at a lower level than they did last year. Uh, and it's and it's definitely it's definitely showing. Um, so, I mean, that's that's my argument. My argument is, is that the Giants defense is bad and it's hurting the Giants more than people think it is. Um, but I think I think people have now seen it. I think a key a key case that I would make is just take what Darren Ruff had in that five run inning on Monday when he just didn't get to that that fly ball that he should have caught. And then I think Padlo in the seventh inning on Tuesday uh, when when Rogers got torched, um, made, I think, at least two bad plays in that inning. Um, and then Darren Ruff dropping a couple balls that that should have been caught um, at first base um, as well. And so, you know, it, it those sorts of things have been happening all season. And I think that that is something that we did that wasn't happening last year. And it's really, really hurting them. Well, that yeah. is the, f- the first thing that I would that I've noticed. Well, Their defense I, I, sucks. OK, yeah. And I, and I just remember last year at the beginning of the year. I think the expectation is that the defense wouldn't be good last year. And I remember us distinctly talking about how the Giants were hoping that their offense would make up for uh, any defensive uh, miscues. And then that actually never really happened. Uh, the, the defense actually played very well last year. And 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 I think we got unexpected play from some players like Lamont Way Jr. and you know others that uh, that that improved our our defense. And and we haven't gotten that this year. I do think that there's this perception out there, though, that I think that there's their blame. You know, fans seem to be blaming it on the pitching staff, on the relievers. I've seen, you know, I've been frustrated with Tyler Rogers myself, but I saw something, somebody today on social media talking about how they should just trade Tyler Rogers. Oh, and, uh, 
And uh, uh, and and those comments are just like, wow, you're really misinformed because uh, you know he has one of the best uh, ground ball rates in in baseball, and and you know ground balls are generally uh, generally a good thing for a pitcher. And and I'm looking at our pitching staff as a whole. The pitching staff as a whole, the Giants actually lead the league in ground ball percentage. And, uh, and as a pitching staff. And so, you know, to say that they're a poor pitching staff is, you know, is not indicative of this. Now, I guess, well, you said that the, the infield has been playing fairly okay. I mean, Tyro well, Strada has no. been playing. Ty- so, so Tyro is actually, so to this point, um, slightly below average. Okay, so then you get more ground balls hit at people that are you know suspect, right. especially like a third base or second base. You know, you're you're definitely going to you know see some errors there and see. Uh, so ground balls aren't necessarily a good thing when you're not fielding them well. Right. Uh, and the Giants only have two positive defenders this year: Mike Yastrzemski and Brandon Crawford. Uh, everybody wow. else is is a liability. Um, what about what about catcher? And, uh, so catcher is a little bit harder to measure, um, and and typically, um, typically, yeah, typically what you're looking at for catcher is their ability to to throw runners out. So that you're looking at things like pop up time, and they've got all these cool mm, stats yeah, that yeah. measure measure that sort of stuff. But I I don't think I I think and then really the thing you care about with catchers when it comes to defense is is calling the game and framing pitches, mm-hmm. and and I would say that uh, Casali and and um, and Bart have been have been fine. Yeah, um, they are not the problem, right? Catcher is not a problem. Center, well, right field is not a problem. He's now playing center field, and and shortstop is not a problem. Everywhere else right now is a problem, especially left field, especially third base, especially right field, and a little bit second base. Um, well, I think first, third base is an issue when Goria is not playing, but I think, yeah. and which he hasn't played, he's only played like 12 games this year. So, right. uh, you know, and him showing signs today with two home runs, uh, maybe, maybe helps, uh, that a little bit because now they can you rely on him to be in the, in the lineup and contribute both offensively and defensively. If this, uh, pattern holds, obviously, uh, I think another thing I wanted to point out too, as far as our pitching staff, is that they're only uh, they're third in the league in allowing home runs per fly ball, right? So um, you know they don't allow a lot of fly balls, and when they do, most of them don't go out, and and, and some of that might be our ballpark, but uh, I think most of it is the fact that you know our the 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 launch angle percentages for the Giants are one of the tops in the league, uh, you know, in terms of negative launch angles, and uh, so just the pitching staff has been built for you know, to keep balls in the park. And to to induce ground balls, and you know, especially someone like Tyler Rogers is probably the poster boy for that. And you know, sometimes balls just find holes. And right. yeah, you know, and yesterday's yeah. game was probably a real uh, harbinger of that because, I mean, yeah, he gave up a couple of line drives like to begin with, but then there were just there were just balls that were like bouncing, you know, in between holes and just you know, typical Tyler Rogers stuff where guys aren't squaring them up, but they're just able to get enough to punch it through a hole and. Which is really frustrating when you're watching Tyler Rogers because uh, he's got to be a very uncomfortable at bat for these hitters, and they're they're swinging defensively just to try and, and get a piece of it. And so when it finally does get through, and, and as it did uh, yesterday, uh, it's not a pretty sight. Well, I would agree with you. I, I I think that the problem is not execution of pitches by the Giants pitching staff. I think they're throwing high-quality pitches. And you're absolutely right. They're doing exactly what the Giants want them to do, which is they're not walking people, they're not giving up home runs, and they're inducing a lot of ground balls. 
The problem is, is that those ground balls are ending up as hits. And I think the question then becomes, are those hits a product of luck? Are they a product of bad defense? Or are they just are they happening at a higher rate because the other team is intentionally swinging the bat more? And I I I kind of wonder if that's true. I, I I think I've seen that happening. It's it's really hard to detect it in the stats, but I think a pitcher who's who's really key to look at this is um, Alex Cobb. Right, Alex Cobb has given up a lot of hits, and his BABIP is sky high, and. I think one of the things that I noticed about him this year is that people are swinging at the first pitch that he throws at a higher rate that they have at any time in his career. And I think it's like 48 to 50%, right? They're swinging at his first pitch. And and I wonder if that's intentional, right? Because he's always in the strike zone. He's really only throwing one of three pitches, and he does so with pretty at a pretty predictable rate, depending on what side of the plate you hit from. You can see all of these, by the way, if you go to the baseball savant, right? These are all of the stat cast stats that you can um, pull down and you can see like what he's throwing in what count uh, against what kind of batter, left-handed or right-handed batter. And, and it really looks like they're swinging more uh, on his first pitch than, than they have at any point in his career. Um, and maybe not trying to swing as hard. Um, one of the the cool things that I, I did and I was able to find is there's this website, if, if people aren't aware, called, um, what is it called? It's called Major League Baseball Film Room by uh, Google Cloud, powered by Google Cloud. Uh, and what it is is a search engine where you can search and watch a video of every pitch from every Major League Baseball game. And you can do a query. Like I have a query up right now in front of me that says, show me every pitch thrown by Alex Cobb where the result was a hit this season and the exit velocity of the hit was less than 88 miles per hour. And I chose that number for a key reason. Um, There is a lot of evidence that says that any ball that is hit um, where the exit velocity is lower than 88 miles per hour is generally going to have uh, the same probability of resulting in a hit, which is roughly 20% or a batting average of 200. As you start to have harder hit balls, that batting average, that BABIP goes up, right? So this is why exit velocity is so important. The harder you hit the ball, the more likelihood you have of it landing for a hit or going out of the park for a hit. Um, But that number really only matters once your exit velocity hits 88 miles per hour. If it's slower than that. So you're saying you're saying a hard hit ball is the same as traveling in time. (laughs) A hard hit ball. With the flux capacitor. uh, Don't you need to hit 88 miles per hour? Correct. Yes. Yes. That's exactly right, Matthew. Uh, Exit velocity and and time travel both require that you hit 88 miles per hour. Got it. Just wanted to confirm. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. 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 No, yeah. 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 I'm sure there's actually a relation there. Um, <laughs> I, I don't I don't know. Does the your science baseball behind... savant tell you that? Does it, uh, does no, that... I don't know the science behind time travel, though. So so we're going to have to. Yeah. <laughs> but my, my point is my, my point is, is that you actually go in the search engine and pull up all of the basically. So everything below 88 miles per hour is a soft hit ball. Right. And you can go look at the video of every single hit that Alex Cobb has given up. And he's given up 17 hits this year on soft hit balls 
where the exit velocity was 88, uh, 87 miles per hour or lower. Which is significant because he's only given up 43 hits in total. Correct. So he's given up. So a significant portion of him is, and now his batting average should be uh, 200, right? If he was an average pitcher on these. But right now his batting average is, is 320. But the question is, okay, so 17 hits, right? Like getting the difference between 320 and 200 is not much, right? It's, you're only talking about a few hits. But the thing is, I can go through very quickly and watch all 17 of these videos and make a decision for myself. Was that a standard single where it, you know, it, it, it just found a hole in the infield or it was a soft hit line drive that's just a standard single? Um, was it bad defense or was it crazy luck, Right. And and what I was really looking for was bad defense. And looking through these 17 results, I found at least one result where Tyro Estrada couldn't get the throw away for some unfathomable reason. There was just no obvious reason why he couldn't get the throw off. So that was a defensive error. They didn't call it an error um, because he threw the ball late. Um, and, uh, and then on three other plays, Alex Cobb, didn't break for first base fast enough. He was caught snoozing on the mound just watching the ball. And and that's four plays that resulted in, in hits that should have been outs, right? So now you're talking about he's only given up 13 hits. And, and so my point is, is that, yeah, a lot of this can be attributed to bad luck. And a lot of these plays were bad luck. I mean, you know, the ball hitting the base, uh, um, you know, just a, a topper where the guy swung as hard as he could and he couldn't have laid down it better, better if he tried to bunt it. You know, there were, there are a fair number of those, but uh, a lot, of, but there were at least four plays where it was very clearly bad defense by the giants, by Alex Cobb himself. And, um, and so that tells me, like, you know, I mean, that, that this isn't just about luck. It's also about um, about defense. But I also wonder, like I said, if other teams are just, you know, Alex Cobb throws strikes on his first pitch almost, you know, at, a, at an exceptionally high rate. So why would you never just not swing at the ball? And the other thing that I notice is that his curveball, he's got a really high whiff rate on that pitch. Guys swing and miss at his curveball all the time. And he throws it a lot on the first pitch, but then he never throws it again. Like, why is he not throwing this for a ball and, and mixing that pitch in a lot more, um, you know, to, to keep people off balance and to be less predictable and not to be in the strike zone so much so that guys aren't so swing happy? So anyway, what I'm saying is I don't think it's all luck. I think this is bad defense and good approach by opposing teams, and that's why we're seeing high hit rates against the Giants. Okay, so what I'm hearing you say uh, then, in my mind, I mean, the Giants are a smart baseball club. I mean, they, they've got uh, smart coaches, and I'm sure they've got people way smarter than Ben, you know, yes. uh, figuring out that this is this may be a problem. Uh, so... I, is this is this is this uh, do you do you think that they could turn this around? I guess is the question. Um, I guess one one way to fix defense is to get everybody healthy. Uh, well, this is yeah, no. I, I mean, I agree, Matthew. Like, I think they they they've known this longer before we have. And uh, you know, I mean, you can't make Darren Ruff faster, right? Although yeah. you know, Although he, in the game, the game on Tuesday at home, you know, yeah. You know, he looked pretty good. And I did think for a moment, if he had only run like that for that ball <laughs> on Monday, 
he might have <laughs> caught it because he looked pretty smooth hitting hitting third base and coming around. He made he made what could have been a close play not that close. Uh, but anyway, but the point is, is that like, no, I think of course they know it. I mean, I do think you can go to Alex Cobb and be like, dude, you cannot get caught snoozing on ground balls. You got to go cover first base. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and yeah. And every hit kind of makes, makes a difference in, in that for sure. Uh, yeah. So I, yeah. And then also obviously changing up your pitching, changing up, you know, your, your, you know, if you're getting into habits that other teams are picking up, then that needs to be something that they address as well. And I do wonder, though, that if, you know, you, you say, well, they've got to be smarter than us. But Matthew, like, re- remember the whole thing with Yadier, Molina? <laughs> right? When when they, like, they, they run on that count and that situation so often that everybody and their mother knew that they were going to run, except the Giants forgot that everybody knew that? Yeah. Like, I don't know. Maybe they don't know. Or maybe, maybe, maybe they figure out, they figure that the, the odds are still in their favor, even if they do. Right. I mean, you know, sure, sure. It could be that. But I, I think when it comes to defense, I think you hit on the main thing, which is people, we got to get these guys, the good defenders healthy. And it has been bad luck that that the certain the key guys that have gotten hurt are the guys that, that we really need for 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 our better defense, like Longoria at the beginning of the season and and Duggar. I, I think the Giants are missing Duggar a lot more than anybody realizes and and I'm thinking back to what I said about Duggar when he comes back, that he's automatically on the bubble and, and he's going to be cut. And I don't know that that's true anymore because, well, yeah, yeah, he hasn't been particularly hitting. Particularly if there's room for someone like Luis Gonzalez or something like that, then it's going to you know maybe Duggar. Although, yeah, Luis Gonzalez is hitting better than Duggar was. So, uh, yeah, I think it's just going to be interesting to see how, at the time, what they value. You know, are they OK with giving up some some, you know, hits uh, maybe in exchange for a better at bat? Um, I know. I mean, I yeah, it totally will. I think it'll just it'll it'll speak to whatever their philosophy is. For sure. Yeah. Right. But I do think we're missing Steve Duggar way more than we ever could have imagined. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I think it's time to move on because to to talk about the game. And when I say the game, you you know which game. The game of the century. I think you called it. I I, I called it the game of our lifetime. Perhaps, uh, and and only because, like I said, game of the century. <laughs> half oh, century. Oh, okay, game of half century. Half century. <laughs> I'm not that old, but I will say that. Uh, so Fangraphs uh, does this win probability thing, and uh, they wrote an article saying that uh, the most it was the most total change in win probability in the eighth and ninth innings of a single game since they started keeping track of it in 1974. So uh, yes, this is it. Could, you could argue there is an argument that this was the most exciting game uh, in our lifetime, and it's pretty amazing that that you know you know, you're sitting there sipping your your cocktail, you're suffering bastard on a uh, on a Tuesday night, and you get to see maybe the best game that you'll see maybe in your lifetime. Yeah, I mean, and it was that, only that, the best game because we won. I mean, Mets fans aren't going to call it the best game, but uh, you know that's uh, that's how it goes. I think maybe most memorable game, mm-hmm. right, is is a good way to to think of it, um, especially you know from a uh, from a an objective or sorry, uh, yeah, you know a um, subjective objective. I don't know objective. Yes, from an objective viewpoint. Um, Man, that second cocktail is hitting me now. 
I didn't even know I didn't even know you were on to them. I knew it was going to happen around way around the time we got to the second segment. And for those of you who don't know what we're talking about, um, shame on you. <laughs> like, if you don't know what game we're referring to by now, like, you know... They know. I, uh, they know what game we're talking about. I know. I just felt like we, we, we you know, we, we're supposed to describe All this. All right. Thing, game so, two but... of the three-game series against the Mets. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had already lost, what, five in a row at that point. Needed to win that game. And we were going to win it easy. Oh, yeah. Easy. So, Logan Webb was cruising. I have a little confession to make. I, uh, you know, I watched the first few innings and we were up like, I don't know, six to two at some point or eight to two even maybe. And I was like, I, and then I had to put kids to bed. There were things to do. Right. So I kind of, mm-hmm. I, I came back to the game thinking, well, gosh, I'll just watch us close this game out. Right. And I turned it on and it was right at the seven inning, seven run inning that the Mets put up. Which is the worst time to turn on a game, and and so <laughs> so I had to make another drink, and uh, yeah, and 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 try and just drown my sorrows, and then but it was it was a great ending, and uh, uh, but you know a lot of a lot of interesting things happened in that game, you you and then you know Tyler Rogers in that seventh inning, <sighs> you know Tyler Rogers is one of those like feast or famine pitchers, and and most of the time. You know, you're feasting, right? And most of the time, he's getting the job done. But then there are those times. And this is why I just, I have this love-hate relationship with Tyler. Because, you know, guys, these little dribblers find holes. And these things just, and it just avalanches. And then, and then I know that Kapler was waiting for him to get the ground ball to get the double play. Yeah. And, 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 and instead... He became the first giant reliever in the history of the San Francisco Giants to allow seven runs while only getting one out. Um, I mean, I think the key, yeah, I mean that's brutal. That's a brutal. <laughs> and he's, that's a that's a brutal thing to hang your hat on for the rest of your career, for sure. Well, particularly Especially since for... his brothers in the other bullpen. You know, I mean, like it seems like this is the second time that uh, that that he's he's screwed the pooch while uh, we played the the Padres. You know, it's. Well, no, what? Okay, what? What? No. How many drinks have you had by now? They were playing in the Mets, Matthew. They were playing oh in the Mets. Oh my gosh, you're right. I have had too much to drink. Um, <laughs> the Chuck Collins has definitely gotten to me. But, 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 my yeah, point I, is, I, is that he keeps giving up. Yeah, you know, he gives up. He's, he's, he's prone to giving up just these little dinky hits that, that, um, you he know, you just is, can't control. He is prone to giving up the soft hit because of the nature of, of of the of the pitches that he throws, and and I think that's just because he's 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 very good, but he typically has great results. I I, I think the big question mark is why didn't we see Doval earlier? Like why did you have him warming up if you weren't going to bring him in? Right. right. That's the question that I have. Like if you weren't going to bring him in, then why warm him up? Yeah. And 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 I and I don't I don't understand why Kapler didn't make that change at that moment. And and I think he got caught watching. That's all I can I, I he got caught watching the game. I think he couldn't believe what he was seeing. I I I I think like I said, I think he was waiting for that ground ball double play. I think he was certain I mean cuz Tyler Rogers but is then the guy why, to get that for you. Then why get Doval up if you're so sure that double play is going to happen? Good point. Yeah. 
Like, like, just don't. I mean, you know. Gabe Kapler, <laughs> manager of the year. <laughs> you know, Bob, I always forget you're there, and then, and then you just, you just, you just pop in. Uh, you Bob. know, Bob I love knows. you, buddy. Bob knows. Bob, Bob knows what we're, but Bob knows what you're talking about. Uh, Bob knows what we're both talking about. I, I, I mean, you know, I, I do think. Um, I, I think though that that happened again. Like you know, I, I think uh, Showalter got caught watching when Peterson, when Jock hit his uh, his game tying home run. You know, he had a he had a lefty ready, or I mean, I don't know if he had him ready, but he certainly had one available in the bullpen and and didn't get him ready. I mean, granted, the Giants had two outs and it was kind of a it was kind of a bang bang bang, and then you know, and then Jock drops a three run bomb on you. Um, which was uh, which was 2022 or sorry uh, 2021 magical by oh, the way oh so so much so it was it reminiscent of like Yaz's grand slam or whatever you know yeah. just and but to, to I wonder I I don't know what the Mets bullpen situation was but I also feel like you know they were uh, they were you know maybe he was trying to get through an inning without having to use another reliever could be I mean. It it could be like I I I don't know how many relievers they used on Monday though because they cakewalked over us. Yeah, it was thirteen to three. Like, um, but yeah, they did they did have to go to the bullpen early on Tuesday, so it may have been yeah I've got another game to play tomorrow, and uh, and I want to try to get through this. I've got a three run lead. Um, There's no know, way he's going to hit three home runs. I mean, what are the odds, uh, right? I, I mean, <laughs> that's the thing, though. It's just like this guy is hot, and it's Jack Peterson who's streaky, and um, but you know, I whatever. I I, I mean, I, I think you're possibly right. I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm you know, Buck Showalter has been doing this a long time, and um, and I think the only the only reason that he would have made a mistake there is maybe he's too old. <laughs> Well, but you I, know what? I mean, the you know, look at the Astros and the White Sox are both in first place. So old old managers are not necessarily a liability. No, these days. no, and and I mean, let's let's talk a little bit about Jock, right? As I finish up my Jock Collins, uh, so the big storyline after the game was that he uh, he had a chat with Barry Bonds uh, right before the game started, uh, and actually actually blew through his normal pregame routine and he didn't realize he lost track of time and all of a sudden realized they only had 15 minutes till game time and he still hadn't put his pants on right so <laughs> so uh, but after the game he talked about how you know what he got most out of it was the best conversation he's ever had about hitting he said with someone and really focusing on bonds's ability to lock in every at bat and i thought what was interesting was that you know he brought up the point that bonds only saw like one pitch per game and yet he was always ready for it. And and so, uh, which is an interesting, I mean, as a, you know, I'm not a professional hitter, but it makes sense, right? You, you know, to lock yourself in mentally to be prepared for that one pitch that you can handle. And uh, and it sounded like that's kind of what he needed to hear because he was kind of struggling going into the game. And then now, you know, he had another home run today. He's on fire. And And one of the things, the stats that I saw that was really interesting is that he had the best win probability added uh, of any player since 2016. Like, so he was most responsible for the Giants' win out of any player uh, in a win since 2016, and it was a top 20 all-time win probability. So we just we witnessed one of the greatest single performances 
in a in a win by any player. Pretty impressive. Uh, I mean, it was amazing. Uh, you know the the I I think the story that you you talk about with him, you know, talking to Bonds and, and just locking in. Like I I know you said you're not a major league baseball player, but like I was a season ticket holder during that era, and. I think one of those seasons I, I saw 70 games in person. And so I saw a lot of those games and, and they were, you know, it, it, that was what was amazing about bonds. And, and I know he's got a lot of taint around him uh, because of, of, you know, the Balco and, and all of that, but none of that changes how he saw the ball. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And um, he was the best, I think, that the game has has seen, at least during the, you know, the modern era of being able to distinguish a ball from a strike and then be able to to put a good swing um, on the one, like you said, the one great pitch that he gets. And it was all about focus. Yeah. And and, you know, there's this whole like you know, thing about all these stats and overthinking things and then just locking, you know, just just see ball hit ball and i think the thing is is that when you're a really really smart ball player who who has practiced a lot and thought about these things a lot see ball hit ball is 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 more simplistic than it really is because if you just relax and let the skill and training just do its thing then all you have to do is pay attention and focus and not overthink things and not get anxious and not try to force things to happen just do it. And that's that certainly what looked like what, what Jock was doing last night, right? It was just look for my pitch and react. And uh, you know, and, and and magical things happened. It was it was pretty amazing. Um he still got the stank on him though. <laughs> okay, but now he, he's had four home runs and and two so I, I don't, have you have you done the stank math? Uh, I ha- I have not done the stank math. Hold on. Well, I believe what, how many home runs does he have this year? So far, is it is it twelve? Is it ten? Nine, I want to say. Uh, it is ten. Oh, ten. Okay. Uh, he's got nor- negative four home runs, Matthew. He's got he's got four home runs worth of stank on him. All right. Well, he so he cut his stank in half in the last two days. I mean, he did. It was it was it was. I, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. It was like you know he he went into a hot shower and used a lot of soap. <laughs> Uh, but he's still he's still got four home runs worth of Dodger stank on him, and uh, and that cannot be forgotten. So you know, game of the century, you know, one of the greatest all time performances, one of only four San Francisco Giants to have eight RBIs in a game. You know, whatever. You were a Dodger for six years, and uh, you know, like uh, eight RBIs. You know, hey, whatever. <laughs> That's uh, you know, uh, it's it's yeah yeah. Well, Come back to me. Eight RBIs. Here are the names that he shares <laughs> for the club record on that. Oh, guy yeah, named Willie Mays. Yeah. Another okay. guy named Orlando Cepeda. Mm. Another guy named Brandon Crawford. Yeah. And then now Stank Jock Peterson. <laughs> Stanky. That's right. That's like Stanky Willie, Peterson. Baby Bull. Uh, <laughs> the greatest shortstop the, in the Giants, Giants organization has ever seen. And Stanky. <laughs> That's right. Those are the four four San Francisco Giants with eight RBIs. Um, you know, uh, hey, what what can I say? I'm hard to please. I'm hard to please. 
Uh, well, I, Crawford actually had a little was funny because he was saying that um, you know if Crawford had, or if 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 uh, if Peterson had hit the home run in the ninth, then he would have also broken the record for most RBIs. Oh. And wow, Crawford's record, and so and Crawford got the game-winning hit. So Crawford actually won twice in that inning, where he didn't get his record <laughs> erased, and he got to get the game-winning uh, hit. Uh, uh, uh. I mean, can you imagine? Can you imagine if he had hit uh, that fourth home run? Um, so, so that's more rare than a perfect game. Yeah. Right. It's, yeah. Is I, I think there's only been sixteen. Um, Barry Bonds was, never did it at Oracle. No, no. Uh, I mean. Lots of people have never done it anywhere. Like, you know, 16 times, I, I think, um, uh, interestingly enough, it's only been done by 11 teams. Oh, the Phillies have like the Phillies have like three dudes or four dudes that have done it. Crazy. But um, uh, I mean, that would have been absolutely magical. I, 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 the, the, I, I uh, you know what? No, I still would have called them stanky. I, I would. I would have because I know me. But um, I mean, just to even put just to can you just imagine being Brandon Crawford and and being like, oh, I have uh, the same. I, I'm tied with Willie Mays and Orlando Cepeda. <laughs> you know, and, and now and now I mean, I think Jock Peterson and, and then he's got to and stanky and stanky and stanky. But Stanky gets to be like, I'm tied with, uh, you know, Willie yeah. Mays and Orlando Cepeda and and Brandon Crawford. <laughs> but doesn't Crawford also have the record for most hits by a San Francisco Giants in, in a game? game? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I think he did that against the Marlins in an extra innings game. Um, but I, I mean, I, I don't even know what to say about Tuesday night. It, it was such a roller coaster. It, it went from being like, oh, this is it. They're, they're doomed. The, the, the season's over. I mean, it really felt like that. Yeah. As, and I think on the flip those... side, after the win, it feels like the, the season is just beginning, right? I mean, it feels like we've got a new start. Yeah, it feels like, oh, man, here they come. They're coming back. Like, this is, this is you know... Th- Oh yeah, they are still this team. They are resilient. They do have this, you know, this fight in them. And and this offense can do great things. And um Well then they they, they came out today against a guy that was making I think his first major league start. Oh man. And it was his second uh second major league appearance. The guy has given oh. up now like twelve runs in like four and a third innings or something like that. I mean he um, we may never see good old I don't know Stubajic or whatever his name was uh, again. You know, uh, just I felt I you almost felt bad for the guy because this is this guy. You know, you feel like they they finally they finally, finally they finally realize their dream. Yeah, Z- you know, like Zapuki. a like a Zapucky. like a Zapucky. like a like a Mike Ford or a. <laughs> Or of a, a Kevin Padlow. Yeah, but for for a batter, you get more rope, right? Because you, you know you're over three, okay, whatever. Over four, okay. But as a pitcher, man, he's given up 14 runs in like you know five innings of pitch in the majors. That's not good. And um, but I'm glad the Giants were pacing him today because they needed they needed that and they needed uh, to jump on him. And and you know Longoria got hot and you know it makes people feel better when they're they're jumping on a pitcher. So. Right. As a guy who will never be good at anything as that kid is at baseball. I mean, that's true, right? Yes. I mean, no, he's like, one of the he's one of the best in the world at what he does. He's one of the best in the world at what he does. And and 
and he may just like he he may as a result of this right this might be the end but as as somebody who will never be good at anything as his he is good at playing baseball and the fact that he is a major league baseball player and nobody can ever take that away from him i, I don't care i'm glad the giants beat the snot out of him you know what hey dude take up software engineering there you go computer programming that's it that's it try that yeah <laughs> I, I, you won't regret it <laughs> All right. Well, you know. So speaking of uh, of next games, we weren't really speaking of next games, but I'm trying to segue into their our final thing here. Uh, uh, so we got a ten game road trip after a day off, and uh, I feel like these are some good teams for the Giants to be playing uh, on a ten game road trip. All of them are under 500. We got the Reds, which are the worst team in baseball uh, record wise right now at 13 and 30. Uh, then we go to Philadelphia, which are sitting at 20 and 24 right now. Uh, lots of expectations in Philadelphia, and then they just go and 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 do this. You know, uh, it, yeah, Bryce Harper, well, how's that just, working out for you guys? Let me just say, those those three games are not going to be a clinic in defense. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I expect high-scoring high games there, folks. Uh, whatever the over-under is for runs scored, you might want to look for the over there. And then, and then a team that you know did fairly well last year, and I wasn't, I haven't been paying attention, so I was kind of surprised to see. But we're we're facing the the Marlins, who are only eighteen and twenty four. What's going on with your boy Jazz? Is he is he playing all right or what? Oh my God, Jazz is Jazz is is he's a magical dude. Uh, he he doesn't his his on base percentage. Um, well, I mean, let me just give you a slash line here, Matthew. He's hitting 290 with a 341 on base percentage and a 581 slugging percentage for a 921 OPS and a 159 OPS plus. <laughs> oh, I'll say he's he has, doing all right. He's doing he okay. leads the league with four triples <laughs> and he has he seven home runs. And remember that home run he hit against the Giants? That was pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah. Jazz is one of the most magical young players in the game right now. I, 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 I Listeners, those of you who weren't with us last season, actually, Ben likes Jazz Chisholm so much that he he created a cocktail for Jazz Chisholm. I did. And the cool part about it is when we put it out on Instagram, Jazz Chisholm actually liked the cocktail. He did. He did. He liked it. He liked it. I called it the Jazz in San Francisco. Oh, man. No, I mean, so Jazz is doing all right. I mean, Just the rest of the team sucking, huh? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, they're the Marlins. You know, like, what what do you expect? I think they're still, though, I think in terms of the standings, they're okay because the AL East is like the AL East. Sorry, the NL East is the NL East. Uh, Let's take a quick look at the standings. Yeah, well, they're in fourth place behind the, the, the Phillies. Ahead of, ahead of Washington. Oh, okay. They've, they've fallen back a little bit. Well, I mean, but they're only one game out of second. Right, I mean, because the Mets are cruising. Yeah, yeah. The Mets, the Mets are having a season like the Giants had last year. Yep. Right. Um, witness last night. You know, I, I, I mean, I, it, I think the Giants were lucky to win that one, but the way the Mets came back, that's been their mo last year. You know, I did finally pay for, for uh, MLB TV. By the way, you know, oh, I, I, okay. I ended my boycott because they dropped the price, and I thought, you know what, I won. I, I, I saved, I cost them money. There you go. All right. And so, so I paid for the MLTV, which allows me to do my favorite thing, which is I get to what I get to listen to the opposing broadcasters call the j- plays where the giants are doing great things against them. Right. It's so one of, I just fraud and showed, Oh, I love it so much. And, <laughs> uh, and so, yeah, but, um, 
I got to hear them talk about the Mets and the Mets comeback, and and that this is just something that they've been doing all season is just coming back on on every team. And what was unique about last night was they didn't win. Ah. Uh-huh. Uh, but anyway, so the the Marlins, yeah, I mean the Marlins have been hanging hanging in there. Um, you know what what I think is really interesting to me about about the overall standings is even though the Giants have now lost five games in a row twice this season, um, in very quick succession, they're still in a wild they're still in a playoff spot, Matthew. Yeah, yeah. Because of that third wild card. Yeah, and no, I don't I, even know. Like, I don't even know if they're even in the third wild card. They're tied for the second and third. They're tied. They're with, with, second and third are tied, and they're two games mm-hmm. what ahead of the Diamondbacks of all to people. Uh, it's yeah. So I mean, you know, as awful as it is, like, and and as and as I think that you know, as much of a concern as the defense is, and all of these hits, and just as painful as it's been, I mean. We've got a long season, and we've seen how good this team can be, and yeah, and we just need to right get in the, the dance. We need to get in the dance and be healthy at the end of the year, I think. And, and right. so those are the things that we'll need to kind of watch. I will say now that I'm looking at uh, run differential right now, uh, Philadelphia and Miami both have positive run differential, right? And um, and so their expected win loss is actually five uh, over five hundred. So they are underperforming compared to their uh, their their run differential, um, right, would right. suggest. So yeah. so you know, so obviously we'll have to go in there and play good baseball. Well, so remember, I did call I did call them I called the Marlins as finishing in second and and contending for a wild card spot. So so maybe maybe they can do it. Just after we play them, about that. Yes, yes. Let's sweep them, and then they can start playing well. That's right. That's right. All right. Well, you know, we should uh, wrap this up. Uh, Bob, why don't you tell our listeners where they can find us? Follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Where the sun don't shine. <laughs> yes, follow us on Twitter and Instagram. We're having a lot of fun on Twitter lately, actually. been a lot of engagement, really enjoying uh, the back and forth with listeners and with our Twitter followers. Uh, so Yeah, I've uh, been reading all of that. I've been silently, I've been lurking in the background. <laughs> Yeah, it's been fun. So uh, follow us on Twitter. We're, we're having fun over there. Follow us on Instagram. You can see all of our uh, cocktails and the recipes. Uh, you can find out how to make your Jock Collins or your, uh, what was it, your Ginger Martini? No. Uh, it's a Ginger Martini. It's a La Colonial. It's La Colonial. a gin, gin and ginger liqueur. That's right. So you can follow us at, at Giant Cocktails, both Twitter and Instagram. And I uh, uh, hope to see you there. In the meantime, uh, we'll see you next week. Ben, it's been a pleasure. Cheers, my friend. Cheers, Matthew. Bye, everybody. Bye. Join us next time for the Giant Cocktails Podcast. Until then, bottoms up. Bottoms up.